not completely blank, but it is. We have some idea of blankness. Of right. Okay, here we are. We're going. Otherwise, we'll never get going. Sometimes you just have to start writing and start painting, right? That's true. You do. Just, you just force yourself. To... So hitting record is like forcing yourself to go. Right. You hit record and then see where it goes. Where were you when the Berlin Wall came down in '89? Well, '89, I graduated from high school, and yeah. then that summer I was still in Silsby, Texas. Uh, getting ready to make a transition to go to Texas A and M. Yeah. In College Station, Texas. Do you remember the where mo- were you? I'm confused. Where I think I was, I was in Dublin, but mm-hmm. I mean, and then the other. What I meant to ask was no, that's 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 good to know. Do you remember? Do you remember where you were exactly? Like, was there a moment when they said the walls coming down? I don't even think it was on my radar. It wasn't okay. Because I was very self-focused. Were you aware there was a wall? Between East Germany and West Germany? I'm just messing with you. Well, no. I mean, I, I I, think I was, but I can't really say for sure. I think I've blocked out a lot of my memories, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I thought of something that could have been an advantage to you. Did you live with an... So you lived with an overarching fear of going to hell, whereas I think the rest of us lived with an overarching fear of hell coming to us in the form of nuclear weapons. Did you live with an overarching fear of nuclear fallout? I did have a fear of war, and I had a fear of bombs, because in our church growing up, they constantly spoke about the end of the world and Jesus returning, but then in the midst of all that happening, or potentially happening, there would be wars, potentially could be really bad wars. And um, so I was always aware, like if an airplane flew over the house, I always wondered what if they dropped bombs or something like that. So I definitely, I was constantly thinking of bombings and airplanes, the end of the world. Did airplanes fly? I, never, I don't recall an airplane coming, ever coming over your house. They yeah, did? there would be, yeah, there would be airplanes you know, not like when you live in the city. Yeah, You're yeah. near an airport. Yeah. But, I mean, Houston wasn't that far away. So, I mean, we did get... I mean, you would see, like, you would see at least an airplane every day or something. Yeah, yeah we didn't have... Um, I think we were... We were... Our proximity was... I mean, we would have we would have been in between the fallout, closer to Russia, of course. So, it was obviously mm-hmm. a big fear, I think, in the 80s, especially mid-80s, it became more... Uh, when things got more tense I think right. it got um, it got bad but not like oh the day after did you ever see that movie the day after about the nuclear fallout no but I heard about it it was, it was kind of scary that really scared people mm-hmm. anyway do you remember where you were when Nelson Mandela was released I don't even think I knew the man's name yeah we, we were because you have to realize I had like no television no, I get it, I get it. Yeah, forever yeah. right uh, you know, I didn't really know what was going on on the world stage. Yeah, yeah. I was at Lansdowne Rugby Club when they announced it. Okay. It was that's a uh, that was a dance. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It was eighty nine. All right. So, did you? I, I don't want to be steering things here with my questions because I. No, you do whatever I, you want. Because I can do that. Do whatever you want. Eighty nine. You you get out to Texas A and M. Mm-hmm. Agriculture and machinery. Mechanical. What did I say? Machinery, agriculture, and, and mechanical. mechanical oh, I've been saying it wrong mm-hmm. all those years. <clears throat> and um, so you go there, and then that's um, that's in College Station, northeast of. I'm trying to be sensitive to the non-Texans here. Okay. Northeast of Austin by an hour, maybe, okay. maybe. 
close enough. I don't think it is somewhere. Enough. So you you went there, and then that's when you started kind of filling your tank on some of the eighties that you missed out on, right? Yes. Well, yeah, I, yeah, definitely, because when I got to well, the first semester, not so much because I lived on campus. And so I didn't have a television during that time. So yeah. I wasn't watching movies or any type of television that first semester. Then second semester, that's when I had my roommates and I lived off campus and definitely watching loads of uh, movies and watching television and listening to lots of music I had never heard of before. Like what? Well, like different bands like Depeche Mode, Erasure, um, Upstairs at Eric's. Is that an album oh, or a band? By, yeah, that's by Yaz. By Yaz. Yaz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm just. I want to oh, and watching in. Pretty Woman. Like that movie came out. I loved that movie. That was the 90s, wasn't it? 90s. And. favorite bands that I listen to yeah what about you I think our computer might have gone to sleep there I don't know anyway uh and well in uh 18 uh, see 90 89 when did you get to Chicago 90 or 89 90 when in well, I graduated in 89 yeah then I went to A&M so then I finished one year there I moved to Chicago at the end of so that would have been the at the at mid ninety I moved to Chicago oh, so in nineteen ninety. Yeah. So you were just behind summer of ninety? Yes. So I was of I was April of ninety. So what mm -hmm. did I listen to? I listened to um Phil Collins. Oh yeah, I love Phil Collins. <laughs> I got big into him. And uh what else? Hart and Don Henley. And then I went through the stage where I realized that I wasn't cool I needed to up my cool factor yeah so I got my ear what pierced what made you realize you weren't cool or did, why'd you I had these big square cool? glasses I don't know I had these big square glasses mm -hmm. and um, I don't know just um, fashion was well fashion was a big deal when I was 16 and then I kind of mm -hmm. didn't care as much when I was 18 I remember in eight when I was 18 buying a shirt in Cleary's on O'Connell Street and uh Paisley was in then. You know oh, what Paisley yeah, is? Yeah, I remember Paisley. Yeah, that was <clears throat> yeah. big. And Doc Martens were starting to come back in, but I didn't get into that. But the, I didn't like where the fashion was going, didn't like where the music was going. But anyway, I remember <clears throat> it was a Paisley shirt and a blue shirt, and I was at Fergus at the time. And I said, Which one would you go with? He goes, You got to go with the Paisley shirt. I said, mm -hmm. I like the blue one. And he said, You would buy the blue one to change the oil in your car. Mm -hmm. And yet I bought the blue one. Oh, no. I should have bought the Paisley one. You should have bought the Paisley one. If I had been there, I would have no, I know. given you the same advice as Fergus. I think you've... Yeah. Good job, Fergus. Yeah. If you ever listen to this. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that just stuck in my head. That Looking back at that shirt, he's dead right. So isn't that crazy how we edit ourselves? How do you mean? So why do you think you edited... Now, did you ever want the Paisley shirt? No, no I thought the so blue one was... So you just didn't like it? Didn't any, like it. Didn't so like you weren't not choosing it because you thought you might get flack for it? Oh, I might have. I mean, I didn't want to stand out too much, I suppose. The blue one was just safer. Safer. So many people, we all do that. Or not we all. Many people, we do yeah. 
Well, some of it's tr- the like, safe thing. Like you were pushing me to, like I think I've I've learned so. Like you've pretty much picked my clothes for the last twenty years. I have, yes. And every time, somebody comments on how much they like it, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because mm-hmm. it's a stretch. It's like the 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 zebra shirt I bought. Yeah. I've never had so much feedback on that shirt. Yeah, that's a good shirt. Everyone that's loves like that shirt. That's like the Paisley shirt of now. It is. I wouldn't have, like, I never would have bought it. Even, like, I've worn pink shirts that I mm-hmm. never would have worn. Mm-hmm. There was these guys from Arkansas, real southern guys, and they said, only you could get away with that shirt. I don't know what that meant. Maybe because, mm-hmm. you know, you're from Europe and you can get away with a pink shirt. Anyway, so. Well, yeah, I mean, you're Europeans wear a lot more colors and things they like do, that. They do, don't they? Yeah. Well, I don't, they do. I don't know. If, Americans. I don't know if the Irish Especially did like then. Italian Italian people. Yeah, yeah. And French. Oh, yeah. The French and Brazilian people, um, Mexican people, African-American people. Yeah, like, what is it? What's with the... Uh, embrace a lot of really bold colors. Yeah. Why don't... Uh, so are you saying, like, do you think you're... I don't think the Irish did. They may now, but I don't think... So I don't think Dubliners want to stand out too much, though. Right. All right, maybe Irish people just don't want to stand out too much. Bring mm-hmm. attention to ourselves. There's something, I think, in the culture of, oh, I, I don't want to wear that. Yeah. And maybe I have it wrong, but I feel like the co- the colors weren't that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, because you could get ripped on by some guy. Oh, you poser. Look at him throwing shapes over, pulling shapes over there. So, Yeah, anyway. well, I find that interesting because I always... I've nearly my whole life I think I've edited my wardrobe like what I would wear like I yeah. would dress way more I don't know a lot more colors and I don't really like following fashion trends even though I think I'm following them Yeah. but sometimes I won't wear something because I think you know it'll call too much attention to me or people will I don't know, maybe judge me or whatever, or it's not yeah. the thing to wear. But I really would. I wish there was no such thing as trends and yeah things you should and shouldn't wear because... Can you guys hear our kids fighting in the background? They're yelling downstairs. Yeah. Anyway, I think people trying to put themselves in a box in order to fit in with fashion trends, I really hate that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I can't stand it. I remember being in Chicago in the 90s, there was this... A certain hat and jacket that women wore I remember being on the train and like everyone was wearing it it's like mm-hmm. now it's boring like why do you go I think there has to with any kind of fashion or even any art there's got to be risk right mm-hmm. so I think and in, in anything you there's, there's got to be risk because you're you're um, putting yourself out there right well it's part of your personality I think the oh, way true. you're expressing we, your, yeah, what you right. like right I think the way we dress is also um just part of who we are. I mean, whatever music we listen to, what art we like, what food yeah. we like, or uh, what we read. I think fashion is is another yeah piece of ourselves, and it's very visible. It's on the outside. Like if I wanted to wear a dress from, you know, the '30s or the '40s, yeah, you know, I should be able to just wear Absolutely. that and be yeah. bold enough to wear it. But sometimes. I'm not because I would think, well, what are they going to think about me because it's not in fashion or it's so different. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, I don't know, I really want to get out of that mode of self-editing. I wonder when we see somebody who's dressed 
like that. I wonder if we're impressed with the item itself or with the fact that they had the nerve to go do it. And we don't. I, I think both. Yeah. Well, because I haven't... My Our neighbor, she... She dresses, yeah, she does, our, yeah. our neighbor Kelly, dresser. she dresses in uh, all 40s and 50s fashion. Yeah. Vintage, everything's vintage, and I love totally it. Totally works, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. I love her fashion sense. And I love thrift shopping, and I love buying unique pieces that, well, because, you know, at a thrift store, you're going to see unique pieces that aren't in a regular department store. And um, that's my favorite way to shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, can I go back to the early '90s for a sec? Yeah. About music, I got into the Manchester scene somehow because that they they were playing that in the um, discos. We we had this Irish guy who would, who would do a mobile disco. He would mm-hmm. just rent the hall and we'd have a dance. We call it disco, a dance. Uh-huh. Even though it wasn't disco music, and he we played all that Manchester stuff. So I started getting into that. What do they... I don't know them. Uh, so the examples would be the Charlatans, the Happy Mondays. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with them. And it had like a... Like it had a... It had a certain kind of beat. The drum uh-huh. beat. It had some kind of cool beat. So yeah. I got into that. And then mm-hmm. um, at that point, I hated you too. I'd gone out. I felt like they betrayed who they were. And, um, and I think they did too. Okay, then, so Brian is a huge U2 fan. Yeah, not always. So Angel of Harlem, <laughs> I was done. It's like once I, that can't like I didn't like um, Joshua Tree, <sighs> and I really didn't like Rattle and Hum. I do lo- appreciate them now, but at the time I yeah. was finished with them. And then, and then till the end of the world came out in '91, maybe that was. Yeah. And that had a Manchester beat with the Edge mm-hmm. guitar, and that album was amazing. Like mm-hmm. they needed that to resurrect themselves. But I was big into that. Well, they did okay. Isn't that interesting as a fan? Like, you're an artist, too. Like, they're yeah. artists. Right. And they, it's funny how you say, you know, you were finished with them or they lost themselves. But truly, they probably hadn't lost themselves. That's part of their artistic endeavors and their artistic expression. Right. You know I mean, what I mean? It's like, Joshua like, Tree is a great album yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but I, had they not, had they, if they had disbanded after that, uh-huh. I, I, I just would have continued to hate the album. I think it's because yeah. they reinvented themselves that it did something to the Joshua Tree mm-hmm. that it wouldn't have done if, if Octum Baby hadn't come along. Okay. Well, I'm not familiar with I don't their, know. Yeah. their stuff enough to say I can't, that... I can't convince you to spend the next hour on YouTube. No. Okay. So I anyway, don't have anything to say. No, no, it's fine. But anyway, all I have to say, like, so I started wearing Doc Martens and wearing black, got my ear pierced, spiked my hair back, which yes. I don't think you liked it back then. Well, you were, I don't know. My hair is like the back. I don't 90s. think I ever saw pictures of that. I definitely am not a fan of the earring. The hoop earring. On you. Yeah. I'm not anti earrings on guys because some men look great with earrings, but I just don't think. Maybe it was you at that time. I just don't think it's you. Yeah. I just don't think it looks good. No, it doesn't. I mean, I saw pictures. Good of on it. you. So anyway, uh, that was me in the mm-hmm. '90s, and then I started going. Um, were you dating girls? Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah, here and there, we'd hang out in these Irish pubs. Yeah. So, so what would you do when you ask a girl out? What would you? What was your thing? How did you ask? None of your her business. Out? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just. Uh... Were you bold? Were you? What did you do? I don't remember. You don't remember? Well, no, I would have so met. Where them did you a... take her? Oh, it's embarrassing. I don't. I don't. We, I, we just we just go to the pub, I guess. 
But was that just the thing that you guys did? Yeah. It's a normal thing? It's what I did. I mean, I don't, I might have gone to, no, I, I guess I went to dinner with them. Um, there's no food in a pub in Ireland. No, no, but it's here, there's by the way. That crisps. was here. Oh, that was here. Well, there okay. too. I mean, I don't know. I think we just, I don't know what I did when I dated girls and over there. I think we just walked. Like, going out to dinner wasn't my thing. Okay. I, I love doing it now, of course, but at the time I wasn't very good at that. So you would just say, hey, do you want to go out? And you guys would go for a walk. Maybe for a walk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, like, there wasn't coffee shops to go to. We might have gone to a pub. I, I don't, I think we just hung out listening to music or something. Oh, well, that's fun. Um, and then in Chicago, there wasn't, like, it was all, like, we'd go to the Irish pubs. Mm-hmm. I got very, um, how would I say? I used to go to an American pub. My brother worked. That was a lot of fun. In Oakland, I enjoyed that place a lot, but then it shut down and reopened mm-hmm. in a different format. I didn't like it as much. And then, um, yeah, and then we'd hang out with Paul and Al, and we'd go around hanging out. And uh, But to your question on, uh, what was your question again on girls? Yeah, like, would it, <clears throat> had you ask a girl out, and then where would you take her? Uh, well, so it wasn't until I got to the north that I, I would take someone out for mm. for a meal, you know? Oh, okay. And that was at her suggestion. Like, I wouldn't have even known where to go. So no one coached you in how to date no, a girl? not really. Yeah. Not really. I didn't, um... I think maybe the girl I took out would have coached me on how to, like, you know... On how to take her out. You should... This is a... Re- <laughs> <laughs> here's a restaurant. That's typical you girls. We do that. We... That's, yeah. Uh... And, yeah, so... Did you ever go to Kerouac Jack's? You brought me to Kerouac Jack's. I did. Well, this girl I dated long before okay. you had wanted to go there. Oh, so I had a second-hand date? No, it was two years. So. It was like a three-year gap between her <laughs> and you. So, But that, looking back, yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't appreciate that restaurant. Um, yeah. Let me tell you a, a funny side story. Okay. So this, at the time, this sales guy comes in selling us these monitors, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, Okay, so there's that. And then I see him in Kerouac Jackson. He's hammered. And I'm over there uh-huh. eating, and he's standing there, and he's literally effing and blinding or whatever you... Cursing all the place, and he's spitting on the floor. Like right? literally spitting, spitting? Literally spitting. And wow. I, I hide my face because I know he's going to be embarrassed because uh-huh. he was a salesman. Well, then he comes in again, and I just couldn't take him seriously. Yeah. That's that's besides the point. That was just my Kerouac Jack memory. But it's I was, funny. Is it? Was it so Kerouac there? Jack was it like a bar restaurant? Yeah. Okay. And it's one of those. I mean, right? I remember us going there. Did they have steak on the menu? They did. Yeah. Yeah, I remember having they had a good steak, steak there. That yeah. they were the early. I don't remember that. Would, remember that in the old days, the kitchen you'd never see the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. It was out of your sight. Yeah. Like there was like some person you hide in the back, mm-hmm. and that's all changed now. Like mm-hmm. seeing the kitchen is a big part of um, the experience, isn't it? Yeah, and a lot of restaurants. Like with it like is. the kitchen Denver, a lot of restaurants. They, they were early in doing that. Like in the mm-hmm. early nineties, they were that you could see right into the kitchen mm-hmm. as you ate. I always and I, I liked anyway. I don't think I appreciated mm-hmm. that restaurant like I would now. But yeah. So anyway, that was that. But uh, I used to go to Berlin. I love Berlin. You, I did too. Yeah, you went there. Now I did. Was that a gay bar or no? Yes. It was. See, I didn't know that. I just thought it was a very flamboyant I bar. It. I lived right. Like I lived. Like two blocks from Berlin, two or three blocks from Berlin yeah. in Chicago. Right. So I went nuts Yeah. in the early 90s. That's what I wanted to get to, yeah. So I have, well, I went nuts at Texas A&M first. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I failed all my classes because I was partying on the weekends. Right. Thursday night was the big time to go out. And my roommate 
was uh, at my first roommate. She she was a very experienced woman. Yeah. I was already experienced at that point. Yeah. A little bit. She was a lot of it. Okay. And um, anyway, so we did a lot of partying. Second semester, I did even more partying at A&M because I lived off campus. And like I would pass out drunk underneath the coffee table. I remember me and my friend Amy, we were drinking rum like very early. Yeah. Like at five o'clock. Yeah. And then we just passed out for like three or four hours. Yeah. And then woke up while the party was going. And then just <laughs> went right back to drinking and everything. But anyway, then going to Chicago. Did I, did I even look in my face there when you said, but anyway. Well, you're looking at me like... Oh, sorry. No. Yeah. You're looking at me like, what is she going to share? No, no, no. I was drifting for a second. And oh, then I, I thought you caught okay. me drifting. And then you thought, and I thought, I thought that you thought, oh, he's not interested in this. I'll shift subjects. So I wanted well, to be aware. I was aware. wondering what you... No, I was thinking about what I was going to say. And then oh, I, okay. you caught me doing that. And then I'm sorry. No, I'll listen now. Okay. Because I thought you were giving me a No, no, a no. Like, I wasn't. Oh, how much do you want no, to no, share I was, about No, no. I was thinking about the story I could tell, but I'll stop stuff. thinking about that now. So anyway, then I'm then I went to Chicago because my sister lived in Chicago, and I think the first year there, well, the first year there, I lived with my sister and her husband, and then I lived with this guy named Chris for a year, and then I lived. I had a roommate named Karen, I believe, and her boyfriend. She lived with her boyfriend there, and he was an he's a hardcore alcoholic. She was an alcoholic too. But that's when I lived there, that's when I would go to Berlin. And I was still underage, and my sister and I look a lot alike, so I had a fake ID. And actually, I really didn't even need the, need the fake ID because I would go to Berlin early at like 7 p.m. There was really no one in there. They were just setting up for the night. Yeah. And I would just stay and hang out. And then, yeah, and then around 10, 11 p.m., started filling up I loved the music that they played and I loved being around all the gay gay guys there were no girls in there did you have any gay many gay people at a and not that I knew of yeah I mean you know people I don't know I mean you know I had learned in church and stuff that being gay was a sin and it was wrong and it was something you chose to be and um, and then it wasn't until I moved to Chicago that I realized that it was weird. I'd never been around any gay people before. Were they less scary then, or they were awesome? Yeah, I wasn't scared of gay people at all. Like I just yeah, but I did feel like I show. I don't think I really thought that much about it. I just found them to be very refreshing, very authentic. Yeah. And uh, I loved, yeah, I just loved everything yeah. about them, and I felt very safe because you could go in, you could go into a gay bar as a as a girl yeah. and just have a blast. And you, it would have been a totally different scenario if you were in a straight bar. Yeah. Then guys are like trying to pick you up and sleep with you and stuff. I had a gay guy. <laughs> I was gonna say I had a gay. He might have been gay. I don't remember. I was in Berlin. Mm-hmm. I had a, um, you know those lumberjack shirts, the big thick ones? Mm-hmm. 
I was wearing one of those. Yeah. And it was the middle of summer. It was really thick. Yeah. And he walked up and made fun of me oh, for wearing did. that. I was like, well, it's none of your business. <laughs> anyway, just my memory of it. See, Brian's fashion sense was not... I didn't know you back then. ...was not the best. Uh, let me ask you, did you finish your thought there? I think so, because you asked me specifically about Berlin. Well, no, but oh, no, what I was trying to... And then you went into the wild years. Oh, yeah, the wild years. Because you went kind of I dated nuts, a lot. You? Yeah. I dated a lot, a lot. Do you think... Uh, How deep do we want to go here? Ah, let's just... Well, I don't know. I mean, oh, not not that deep. Okay, so we're already editing our podcast and no, making just, it... You asked a question. I, okay, well, I think, I think people can read between the lines, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I would if I was listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the no, thing is, when you, you. when you grow up, when you grow up completely stifled and completely oppressed in every possible way, then when you leave an environment like that, you a lot of people go insane. Yeah. And I was sowing my wild oats, yeah. as they say. And also the thing, too, is I didn't have... When you don't have a good father or any good training at all, like I didn't have any education. My only education about sex was don't do it. It's a sin. Yeah. End of story. That right. was it. Yeah. Till you're married. Right. Till you're yeah, married. Yeah. Like don't have sex till you're married. It's a sin. End of story. That was it. And then I didn't have any, yeah, like zero training. And then it's really weird because a lot of girls look for love. It's just the weird thing. Like you're looking for this father figure type thing in men. Yeah. And in sex, but you're never going to find it there because you're looking for something that's already gone that you can never get. Because if your father doesn't give you that that security in who you are. So some women, I think they sleep around because they're very sexual beings. Yeah. And that's what they want to do. Right. Right. And then other women sleep around because they're looking to fulfill something within themselves that's bigger than the act of sex itself. It's about being loved and being accepted and being protected. Yeah. And you know as a you know as a young woman that people that guys want that you know what i mean yeah but it gets into this really but it never really does anything for you like you i realized pretty early on in that whole part of my life that that was very unfulfilling that it wasn't it wasn't ever going to bring me fulfillment in what I was looking for I think even like early even pre well it's not pre-biblical times pre-New Testament times and the teaching on sex there I think there was Greek philosophers just talking about I can't remember how he worded it but like if you're looking for satisfaction in that stuff whether it's drinking or smoking or sex or whatever yeah like it's just you're just not going to find what you're looking for and I think they right. were saying there was, you're, you're looking for something deeper and you're going there to find it right right you know so in your case, you would say, were you the, were you the latter of that? Were you? Do you think that if you had grown up with having that acceptance and all that stuff from your dad, is that what you're saying? You you would have been less promiscuous. Yeah, well, because I think you, 
I think when you have such a lack, you look for other things to fill that lack. And yeah. you, can, you, you can use a bunch of different things to do that. And for me, having relationships with guys, like that was the thing that I, that I went to. And of course, it wasn't until, you know, several years later when you look back and you analyze it that you actually see what you're doing. You don't always know in the moment that that's what you're doing because you're not that self-aware yeah. of what you're doing. Now, for every girl, it's going to be different. But I think if I think that not all girls feel that need to be validated by someone of the opposite sex yeah. because they have already been validated. Yeah. They've already been loved. They've already been accepted. They've already been built up. Yeah. You know, and because girls are different than guys. Like most girls, I don't think they just want to have sex to have sex. Yeah. It's about the emotional part. Yeah. And I think looking did back. Did I answer the question? You did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was just thinking about uh, my own. 90s they weren't quite as wild as yours from what you described but there was mm-hmm. still like looking back i think if if we had if we had not we, you and i but they and i had dialed down the sexual part and not mm-hmm. got to it so quickly i think we would have discovered we're not compatible and we don't we don't get on and that's i think true. when you introduce the sex part too early it it creates an intimacy that's really not there Right. It binds you to that person that you shouldn't be bound to because if you had just not done that and you had actually gone out in a few more dates, you realize, you know what, this isn't working. Right. And I think what right. it does is, I think what it could can do is distract you from. Um, and I'm not like a psych, sex psychologist like Doctor Ruth, but in my experience, I think just holding off in that area would it would have been helpful. Um, you know, it would have say yeah, because I think it did create a binding to the person well, I think it that, can, did, that it shouldn't have right I think it muddies the water it does I think it distracts things and it's like because right. I think they're, they're, I think the foundation that um, like what else we, we, we wanted to make sure there was a foundation of friendship there right well that, we that had both really, learned already yeah yeah so we decided that would just that, that wasn't I came to the realization and this had nothing to do with me going to church yeah because I started going to church later but even before I ever started going back to church, I had a realization that sexual uh, endeavors, whatever you want to call them, had nothing for me. Yeah. It was completely meaningless, completely unfulfilling. Yeah. And I was just at the point where I was just disgusted with the whole thing. And I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore because there's just nothing there. There was nothing there. So I stopped. Yeah. And you say, you're saying you would have come to that realization without, because you went back. I did come to that realization yeah. without any preacher saying to me. Yeah. That this is sinful and you shouldn't be doing this before you get married. Like I came to that on my own. Right, right. Even so, though I don't know if I necessarily agree with that opinion now, but it, yeah, I think that sex is highly volatile and yeah. it's a power. It's it's very powerful. Yeah, and it can be destructive. So for me, I think that's where like I I came I came. 
back to the, I don't want to say back to the church because I went into a different, very different, not very different, yeah, different flavor of Christianity than I was mm-hmm. raised with. So I kind of uh, straight off and then came back in 96 pretty hard and heavy. Yeah. But I think I, I would look back then and say that, would I say I was sexually broken? I don't know. I, I would have said that for the last 25 years. Looking back, I think, I think I needed some, I, I needed to kind of, I think the church w- was that coach that helped me. Right. Me too. What's I interesting, and I don't know if, if if I would have found that on my own in the Bible. I think right. I was finding it from preachers like and, but one preacher or one girl I met, uh, uh, a Christian woman at work, was very helpful in trying to understand all the stuff I'm saying now. She was yeah. kind of walking through that, yeah, saying a lot of that. So I think for me that was really, I think the church became a helpful coach to help yeah. me get my act together. <clears throat> well, I think too, our parents, like you had good parents, but your parents still never coached you around like, the sex area yeah i mean i don't think parents yeah i don't think oh well that wasn't i mean that wasn't for their did generation that. And that then was our an church, thing, my church that? never talked about it like the church the preacher would just say they didn't talk about it. they just said it's don't a do sin. it oh that's it that's it they wouldn't get into it yeah and it wasn't like i went out with this guy um he asked me out and this was before i went to church and i had actually it was because of him that i started going to church but i had stopped having sex with people because yeah. it was like gross. I didn't want to do that anymore. And then anyway, he asked me out and he let me hear a message by the pastor of the church that you and I met at. Yeah. And But it made a lot of sense in the way that he was describing things. But he wasn't describing it as like, you know, oh, you're going to burn in hell if you have sex before you get married. It was very logical. Like... Yeah. You know, this is a very important thing that you're going to do with somebody. and well, Even was, though he did preach it was a sin. Well, but he um, he was always that way, though. He he was always very logical. and um, It always felt like you were being drawn into a conversation. Right. Even though it wasn't. He was he was right. a preacher, right? But he didn't. He was not your typical preacher. No. But like it did he, make sense to me. He was like a, a Greek philosopher right. who stood there in the marketplace. Right. And people, okay, anyway, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, it did make sense to me at the time. And, like, it's weird now that I don't, I'm not, like, I'm kind of moving out of Christianity. Yeah. So it's really weird now to look at all these belief systems that I've had for so long and try and figure out, what do I think about this subject now? Yeah. You know, because like I think, I still think that sex is like super powerful, and I still think that it's something that needs to be handled very carefully. But am I gonna? But am I? Do I still hold the belief that you should wait one hundred percent until you get married? I don't know. Like, that's a very tricky subject. I don't. Yeah. You know, I mean, I understand like nearly everyone I know, like it's very rare that you find someone right. that waits. I don't, it's very hard for people to do. But you and I, I remember we started dating. You were of the same opinion that I was at that yeah. time that yeah. we wanted to wait. Yeah. And uh, I remember me sharing my sexual history with you and you sharing yours with me. And I think this is. Before we were at that point where we're thinking, are we going to get serious in our relationship? Or are we going to like stop? Yeah. Dating because we were both at the point where we were 
wanting to find a life partner. Right. To get married. So I remember, do you remember what restaurant we were in? We were out somewhere. Uh, we were either in Gunther Murphy's mm-hmm. or we went to some, that place in Irving Park. I think it was daytime. Was it? It was, it was like a Greek Greasy Spoon restaurant. I don't know. I think it I think was. I think it was the daytime. I think it was the place where the cowboy took you previously. No, it wasn't there. You know what I'm talking about? On Irving and whatever. No, I he's talking the about this guy I went out on a date with. This Christian guy who wore homemade blue jeans that his mother <laughs> made for really? him. With a tuxedo what, stripe what, down the side. Wasn't that an indicator right away? Yes, it was. <laughs> My he was like a stupid. Jeans. He was like a stupid cowboy. Yeah. Um. Well, funny, we're talking about sex because he tried to convince me to have sex with him. He said he was tired of waiting, being a virgin, and <laughs> waiting. You needed to see. It was the Irish cowboy. You needed I to was wait like, for. no, I don't think so. I'm not gonna sleep with you. But anyway, so getting back. You didn't blink an eye when I shared my yeah, sexual yeah. history with you. Like, what were you thinking? Were you like, it didn't seem like it phased you at all. You were just like. Well, I think it would have in, in, in a different environment. I think I had looked at it like, I think you, you had presented it like, this is a part of who I was and it's not who I want to be. Right. And it, it's not, I'm not going to carry that in here with us so i think i'd looked at it well i would have looked at it i i, I would have looked at it lo- like you know it's it's all forgiven jesus forgives you but isn't we'll that sad that i had to feel so shame and feel bad isn't that terrible i didn't make you feel shame like you, i just no, i'm not saying you but i'm yeah. saying like the church and like society and everything that like that yeah, yeah, a woman yeah. has to feel so much shame. Oh, you're saying because a guy wouldn't have felt shame at the time? Hell no. Right, right. Guys wouldn't have felt shame. Only a woman would, would be yeah, made to yeah. feel shame. Like, I don't feel shame anymore. I don't give a shit. But back then, it's like people... Hey, watch your language because I have to do a s- extra setting on this now. Oh, you do? Well, I, I think I said it was for... E- well, that, 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 that's not a bad word. Say shite next time until but I can figure out the settings. That's not a bad word. No, it's fine. It's not, I don't think like they're going to... Like the F word. Well, correct, yeah. I just there's just a setting. But you didn't the... tell me that. Well, when you, you when you to... apply for the podcast, you have to decide up front will there be. <clears throat> oh, I didn't know and that. I, and you I didn't just tell said, me. I didn't. I left it blank. Anyway, go ahead. So. I just think that's so sad. Like that breaks my heart that I had to that I carried because of the church and the Bible. It's like that I carried this weight of like hardcore shame. Yeah. For probably four years. I think it took me about four years to like really let that go. Which I'd already done that work before I met you. Yeah. Gone through that. And oh my gosh. Like thinking about that now, it makes me sick. So let me ask you a question. I really hate that. If Well, if you had gone, if you had, um, do you ever think where where your story would have gone? So you're saying you came to the realization on your own that this isn't what I want to do. Yeah. And then... um, like, if you'd never gone back to the church route, how do you think that would have played out? I guess you don't know, I guess. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just knew it wasn't... And, okay, here, instead of me just saying, okay, this is what I did, this isn't working, I know it's not working, I'm going to move on. Yeah, right? yeah. And without the voice of the church or the Bible hanging over your head or of God, you just move on and live your life. Where she still might feel shame because of society, because society is also very condemning. I don't think I don't well. think North Side of Chicago in the nineties would have been condemning you for the other well, sections would, of course, right? Okay, but what I'm saying is I think it's very sad 
that we have that, you know, that there's something that exists in our world that makes you feel so bad about yourself. Right. Like, so, yeah. it's, um, I don't know. I just wouldn't want somebody to walk around feeling yeah, like that yeah. if they'd done that. Like, I did something so terrible. So I think what you're saying is, what I hear you saying is, hey, that was a part of my life that I discovered that's not working. I'm going to pivot. And it, that should be in that should be the end of the story, but it's it's not. Other right, people it's are not like, the end of other the people story. are like, it's oh my like, gosh, okay. it's just this terrible. You old, the old who or whatever they call you, right? Well, right, yeah, yeah. But um, well, you know, the other thing is that like the story that that we'd be we'd often hear these things like um, if you sleep together before marriage, your odds of Oh, you're more likely to get a divorce. I, I like is that, I'd love to see the data on that because I know people who they slept together always... before marriage and they're 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 decades into their marriage and it's a great marriage. I just don't know. I'd love to know the stats on that if that's well, really true. That statistic is pretty old. I haven't looked that up in yeah. years, but the statistic was that if you lived together or if you had sex before you got married, then you were more likely to get a divorce because it showed that your spouse did not have enough self-control to wait. So therefore, yeah. once you get married, if they're out on a business trip, they're not going to have enough self-control to not watch pornography or to not have an affair. So that sounds like a story and not so much statistics. I think it was given as a statistic. Did you ever see the statistic? I think I might have looked it I up I just wonder, I mean, point. because I, I'd heard that the divorce rate within... The church was higher was higher than that than outside the church i heard that too so, so and so then if if the people inside the church were waiting till they got married to have sex then that statistic shouldn't have shouldn't have been the same but it, that's true it's a good point i never thought of that but yeah if, I don't if know. they were waiting i mean they could have been pretending to wait and they weren't because there's the other of side of that have right? sex before they get married do you think our dating period was shorter because we were waiting you think we well, would've... we were older too. We were twenty eight. Well, we and knew we weren't. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had both already had sex, not with one another, but with other people. So it wasn't like this dangling apple, like you're two virgins and you've never had sex, yeah, yeah, and then you're, you're just... dying to get married because you want to have sex. Right. Yeah. But then you're like, you know, I don't know. It wasn't hard waiting. I mean, obviously, because sex wasn't at the top of my list of things to do. Yeah. But I was glad we waited. I thought it I made... Was. I don't think I could have waited five more months, though. Really? Yeah. And I, I part of me wish we did. Like, it would have been nice to have a summer wedding. Oh. We got married in January. Yeah, we got married <coughs> in, in January. It was risky. But I'm really glad. I think with the <clears> mindset <throat> that we had at that time... Yeah. I think that waiting... It made sense. For I us. would not have respected you if you had tried to have sex with me. Right. Because I was, I believed, and I think it's fine if people want to wait. I think that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And I don't, I don't believe in that thing. That's yeah. like, well, you have to try out the sex before you get married to know if the sex is good. I don't believe in that either. Because yeah, yeah, I've never. I don't like that either. Because because it's, you it's, can always. You're not you test can, driving a car here. You're talking about a human, you know? Right. Plus, you can work on your sex life. And it's such a tiny percentage of our marriage. Like, our friendship and conversations is the majority of our marriage and life right. together. I mean, sex is important, but it only, you know, it's only a tiny percentage. 
ooh, tiny percentage. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> make people. it sound like we never have sex. No, 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 no. I don't mean like that. I just mean time-wise on the chronological scale. That's true. Of your week together, of your life right. together. It's a small part of your exactly. time. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think for me, that's I came to a realization before I met you that what I was looking for was was a lifelong partnership. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. And I think when I was able to see that clearly, I um, it kind of changed how things went. So. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about sex there, didn't we? Yeah. Well, I think that, I think if you wait, but you're afraid that that person is not going to be compatible with you. Yeah. Then you... When we say compatible, you, you mean your, sexually compatible? Yeah, because people say, well, you have to have sex first because you don't know but if you're compatible. How difficult is it to... I mean, you can figure it out. It's not like... It's not like... I mean, I don't know. You're not learning acrobatics here, right? How, it's not... how You can figure it out, right? I don't know. I just don't get that argument. I mean, I think Let's people can tires. work on it and I mean, figure just, it out. But I mean, we're not those people. We, we've never experienced... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had something else I want to ask you there. Experience that scenario. Maybe people have experienced it. Oh, I don't know. Do you, do you, let me ask you a question here. Excuse me. Yeah. So, in biblical times, right? Um, people are getting married like when people think that Mary was fourteen. That's disgusting. Okay. Well, no. That's that's another. He oh. doesn't want me to say something that I find highly. But I think it takes us off subject. Where, okay, so, where, but, where I want to go. Okay. I think from what I hear that Mary might have been fourteen and Joseph seventeen. And I'm saying that was a norm. That is scandalous. Okay, I get it, but I'm, you're, you, the point you of, the point I'm trying to make is I know you're right. Even down the south older, where I'm from, people oh, get married. I had sis, my sisters got married at 16 and 17. Okay, can I, let me get to that point. What I'm saying is, at the time of the writings of No Sex Before Marriage, it totally makes sense, right? Because as soon as you're biologically able to copulate, is that the right word? I think so. Funny. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, then you're, you're actually getting married at a young age. In other words, you're adulting a lot faster in first century, right? Exactly. So you're having kids younger. You have more kids because you have a period there of time where you can have more kids. But in our modern times, um, we're, we're, you know, we're asking our kids to, to you know, uh, get a skill, go to college, and then make some money. And then so by the time people are ready to get married, at the earliest you're seeing maybe 23, 25 in our society. At that yeah. point, they're already they're, they're wearing the gold for 10 years. So is it possible that our... And our, they're not our, allowed our, to masturbate either because that's also a sin. Yeah. So is it possible that... Um, is it possible that we've not evolved to... Or, or how would I say this? Our social setting has outpaced our evolution as a creature. So as a creature, we're still in that thing of, hey, I want I'm ready to get married in 15... And yet we're saying, no, you got to wait 10 years. But the body's saying, i got to wait 10 years to have sex? Are you crazy? You know what I'm well, saying? Right, because the body's always producing desire. Yeah. And you can't just magically shut off desire. You can't shut off your human biology. Yeah. So what's the answer? Let kids marry young still? Well, I mean, I'm not opposed or to people them. getting married young. Well, here now here's the problem with that. If you, if you get married young, if you, if you act like it's the first century... No, not that young. I'm just saying, like, if you if you're two sixteen year olds get married, which you legally can, uh, and you wait till you you wait till you get married, couldn't your divorce rate be? Couldn't you be at risk of a high divorce rate because you married so young? 
And Back now, you, then, and now though, all the stress of, uh, hey, I still have to finish high school. I still have to get through my trade school or college. Right. And now I'm all under all this. I don't know. I don't but know. you have to remember back then, though. Yeah. You would never get a divorce. Number one, it wasn't accepted by society at all. And a woman, if she got a divorce back then, yeah, she would have nothing. She would be outcast from society. Right. That's true. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just did not get a you divorce. Didn't. Yeah. And it was not something that people did but you marriage is a gamble okay i know so many marriages that have broken up people that got married early people that got married later like there's no rhyme or reason yeah you know what i mean like you could get married and both be 17 and be married for 50 60 years and have an amazing marriage yeah you could wait and date for three years and make sure you've learned every single thing about that person not have sex or have sex or whatever you want to do. And then that person go completely nuts on you, cheat on you, go crazy, like all kinds of stuff. Like you just can't, you take a chance on that person and they take a chance on you. Yeah. And if you don't both do your part. Yeah. You just don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and life happens too. All kinds of things happen. People go through all kinds of hardships. That changes things as well. Like you and I have had a hard, I think it was our 20th year was very hard because we had a lot of stuff going on in our... Seven was bad and 20. Yeah, you're seven and you're 20. 20 was worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think your 20 was your 20, yeah. But... But yeah, life can get hard sometimes, and marriage is... It's, it is tough, yeah. So, I mean, you can't... You know, our son says that he wants to get married early. Now, is that a bad decision or a good decision? Yeah. I don't know. How can you say? I, th- I could see that. But I am against young girls getting married early because their bodies... Like, your body as a female, like in Africa, a lot of these girls are given... given yeah. To get married when they're really young and they die right. in childbirth. Yeah. Well, how young are you talking? Anywhere from nine up until like 16. Well, nobody's talking about that here. I know that. But back when you're talking like. Oh, yeah. yeah plus yeah. women were property. Women weren't even. They didn't even have any value. Yeah. Like Mary had no value at all. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. in the Bible, it lifts her up and saying that she's you know all this she had no value to who in society women in our had society no value. i see what you're saying in that in that context you're saying she didn't have right value. there's no value they had no value so um i just i don't know if, i don't know if i'd agree that mary didn't have value in her society they don't have women didn't have value because they were what just they being were handed property. off handed to the husband yeah they were they were there to have children and do yeah. their thing they didn't have the value that a man has a question what did you want to talk about um keep going down this road or did you want i was curious about um booze in the 90s sure did you want to talk about booze well so so you kind of because you 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 got out of the um i don't know if everyone knows kimmy schmidt but she gets out of the bunker and then she goes she doesn't go wild but she she, so you get out of the bunker of the 80s yeah 
and then uh, you go wild somewhere you're old so like wh- where else did that wildness manifest itself well just I mean drinking I, I never was a, I never did drugs I never was into that I hate well I tried pot a few times I never really got what the big deal was with that I mean I drank but I only drank on the weekends um I didn't yeah I mean I was a weekend drinker I never had a drinking problem I never wanted to drink during the day um so yeah I mean I did over drink I would drink to intoxication and it was actually a really fun time of my life um did you drink in the 80s at all not really. I didn't. I had like two drinks in high school. That was it. I didn't really start drinking until I was at Texas A&M. Yeah. And I could get in underage at the bars there. Yeah. And that wasn't a problem at all. I don't know how I got an ID, but somehow was able to drink freely there. I my brothers. I know my brother and my sister. They're twins. Mm-hmm. November 4th. 1966. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've memorized that. I know them all, I think, now. But at the time, that I memorized that because I had my brother's ID. Because mm-hmm. the first year I got here, I was illegal. I went from being two years legal, 18 to 20, mm-hmm. to one year illegal. Yeah. Which was a bit odd because I had calmed Did down you drink a, a lot once you got here to the United Not States? Not really, no. Well, because you already did that. Yeah, I got that. I kind of got it out of the way. But we had fun. I mean, I... Yeah. I think that the first couple of years I was in Chicago, I didn't drink that much. Then I started waiting tables, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We would go out drinking. Me and my friend Jackie, we would go out drinking. And what was really fun, too, is going out to eat at like 2 and 3 in the morning. Going to, uh, what was it called? We would go to this place called Bijan and have like a hamburger and um, that was another place that was really famous for going out late at night in Chicago. I forget what it's called. How late? Oh, and we would go to... How um, the moon? Not how the moon. What was the moon cafe? You mean to eat or to drink? To eat. Like once you went out drinking and you there did all your drinking, then you Street. were starving. There was a place on Clark Street that had coffee oh, until... Oh, Checkers. Oh. My favorite drunk meal yeah. was Checkers. Right. Cajun burger with french fries. Oh, my gosh. You know what I would do is um, I'd go out till two in the morning to the goalpost, which mm-hmm. was an Irish pub. And um, looking back, those, like, there was stupidity on, on driving. Like, I didn't have a choice. There was a suburb. Like, I couldn't take yeah. a bus. There was just stupid decisions made yeah. around drinking and driving that I wish I, that I, I, I could change. But anyway. So you drove drunk? I'm sure I did, yeah. I mean, well, I don't think I drove hammered, but I, I'm, I'm sure I was over the limit a few times. I think I, I did. I was mindful of it, right? Because I knew the consequences, not just to the person I might kill, but, but to the to me. Well, legally. I did it. I did it a, two or three times, and yeah. I did get pulled over. Yeah. Can I finish my story? Which is a funny story. Oh, you finish your story. I'm sorry. Well, just out of what I would go do ahead. is I'd, I'd go. Um, I had a habit. I'd, I'd go out till two in the morning, then I'd, I'd go by Dunkin' Donuts and eat three Boston creams at 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. Yeah. Well, that's not much different than me with the Checkers burger and right. the French fries. But that was the fattest I was ever. I, I was, a, a, by 95, I was 197 pounds. So 100, oh my 175 gosh. is what I should be. I went home that year. That's... And, uh, like, my face was fuller. So, like, I, you'd meet these. you got to you got to tell the Rory story. Oh, it's coming, it's coming. You want to tell that? That's yeah, so funny. At the time, Rory was, uh, 
he was my my best friend growing up. Uh, he was working out and he had, he had a six pack, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and anyway, he uh, most people were saying you put some weight on it suits you. It suits you like that. Uh, most yeah. people were saying that. God, everyone, everyone was was saying liars. this is a good thing. Like I was unaware of my belly. Which you're looking back at videos, it, it was, was massive. Gross, you guys. I saw a picture. <laughs> well, I'm sitting in Ryan's pub, and, and Liam goes, or not Liam. Rory just goes, "You need to lose weight." I said, "There's nothing wrong with my." And I lifted my shirt, and he, he lifts up his shirt, and I was thinking, "You show off." <laughs> yeah, and what does he say to you? He goes, "Lose weight, you fat bastard." You fat bastard. I was yeah. so offended, but that was he was the only person being honest with me then. Yeah. Well, maybe because he's the only one I showed my belly to. I probably. But no, he was you, dead right. Like, I was overweight. Yeah. I went to the doctor that year. And uh, it's funny how, like, I remember being mad at Rory for telling the truth. And I needed, like, a good friend will tell you the truth that you need to hear, yeah. you know. And um, I went to the doctor when I got back that, that so it was summer 95. And she's she goes, you're overweight. She's, yeah. What what do you, how much do you drink? How much, I said, I, I drink Guinness, how much? And I and I said 10 pints a week. And the reason, how I estimated that, and I thought that was a low number, a low guess. Because I'd go over to Keegan's Pub on Western Avenue in Chicago, and I would I would go there Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Wow. But when I got there, in my mind, my drinking buddies were already there. Yeah. And I'd leave before them. So it's like, I'm like... When you set the bar, when that's the bar, yeah, then my count was low. I said, "Well, it's not compared to what they're drinking." Yeah, she goes, "That's a lot. You need to cut back." And I was like, "I was all bent out of shape. Like, don't be telling me to cut back. Ten pints isn't that bad, but it's Guinness, you know." Yeah, and I bet it was more than that. And then you did the Boston creams on top I don't of know that. If I did the Boston creams then because I was that time I was living in Beverly in the South Side, and I don't think well, in your diet was your diet peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at that time. It was well, I so I worked down in the. Chicago Board of Trade uh, for a trading company and they gave you breakfast and lunch. Mm-hmm. So I'd have a big breakfast and they had ice cream in the fridge. So I'd breakfast, I'd have lunch, I'd have ice cream in the fridge. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd walk, you know, so I had that and then I'd come home and have a triple-decker PB&J. Mm-hmm. Never, cooked, never turned the stove on, ever. Wow. I might have once turned it on to have ramen noodles, but to me eating was, was it was you just do it to fuel yourself so you can move on Which with I life. can't understand that mentality. I dated no. this other guy who was like that. That food was just fuel and he didn't really eat. Yeah. And he always smelled bad because it's almost like you could smell his insides. Yeah. Because he never had any food in his stomach to like I threw a party. It's disgusting. Well, do you remember that apartment on Roscoe in Roscoe Village? I do, I do. What are you making a face for? Well, his apartment was disgusting. It was okay. So it's nasty. No, it's fun. here's a now. Let me tell you a story about that. That you already know. Well, tell me. It's a good story. So I have this party, right? And I, I throw these keggers. So I'm I'm about six months to a year in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, I have these. Um, uh, I have this party. Get a keg of beer. No food. Didn't even think of it. Ryan did not know how to throw a party. No, never crossed my mind. So this guy comes in and he's starving. I think he expected food. He ate like an entire thing of cookies. And I I remember thinking we eat all the cookies for... Is that how Irish people (laughs) threw parties? Or you just were clueless? I can't blame blame an entire nation on that. No, it was... Yeah. You you were a bit clueless. I mean, I was well, that's clueless a, that's about a lot college, of things though, right? too. If you go to a college party, kegger, they're, they're not laying out charcuterie trays, right? No, they would have like chips or... I didn't even have that. Like cheese puffs I don't or, even think I had that. <clears throat> but, you know. I just had beer and I think... So anyway, 
But then there's these girls standing in my kitchen and they're looking at my stove and they're saying, that's disgusting. What girls were they? Betsy Malmstrom was one of them. Betsy. She's the one who said it. <laughs> that stove is disgusting. <laughs> I was like, I never noticed. <laughs> Which oh is funny because I never used it. But when I did, I didn't never cleaned it. Anyway, <clears> so then we're dating, right? Betsy, you and Betsy or me and you? No, you, you and I are dating yeah. years later. You see the apartment and we're sitting there. And uh, the sun come, had the cat the time yeah the sun's coming through the window from the west and it's shining a beam of light yeah and all the cat hair and dust has formed it looked like a snowdrift against the furniture yeah it was like a snowdrift of hair and you and I, and, and I saw it and I knew you saw it and you said that is disgusting yes so I go I go to a psychiatrist right mm-hmm and I said to him hey listen I, I've, I've had OCD as a kid I really need to clean my apartment I find it impossible he goes, well, tell me, how do you clean your apartment now? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I get Windex. Mm-hmm. And then I, I I, go take a few paper towels mm-hmm. from, and then I go and I clean something. And then I walk all the way back into the kitchen and throw it. And then I go back into the bedroom and I'll clean with Windex, the paper towel. And I go back into the bedroom. Yeah. Back into the kitchen, throw it in the garbage. He goes, no. He goes, this is what you do. This guy was great. I only had one session with him because he fixed me. He said, this isn't an OCD problem. He goes... I want you to spend $40 and I want you to buy a bucket and a mop and all these cleaning things and I want you to do one room and do not mm-hmm. leave that room. Bring the garbage with you. Do not leave that yeah. room. See, at one level, it's like common sense for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> like, it's like right thinking, this is well, easy, you didn't this is easy have money. common sense in certain areas. I don't think I did. I mean, I just don't think I am. Um... Well, you told me yeah. that you were afraid if you started cleaning, you wouldn't be able to stop. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Is that true or did I No, make I that think up? you're right. I think so I don't think cleaning was part of my OCD problem. It was a serious like people say they have OCD. I, I giggle because it's like if you did you wouldn't joke about it because it's a prison and it's a horrible right. prison. And I, I my worst years of that prison were from nine to thirteen. Mm-hmm. And I was in counseling for psychiatry for years over it. It wasn't cleaning, but it was other things. Yeah. So like when I see As Good as It Gets by Jack Nicholson. It really resonates, especially when mm-hmm. he's at the door going back and forth. Like that's mm-hmm. a really uh, sad part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like I've been there, I know that. So there was that. I think there was an overcorrection where it's like I'm I'm gonna ignore it, and then and then yeah. I think there was an overcorrection. So there was that fear. That's why mm-hmm. I went to the psychiatrist. But he comes and says, "Do this." So I go to the store. Mm-hmm. I buy the bucket. Do what he says, and I stay in one room and I clean it. And it took me five hours that night. Yeah. But I, when I was finished, that place was sparkling. And I went down to wherever you were working at the time, Centro or whatever. And I picked you up and I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to show you the apartment. And it, yeah. looked, it looked great. It did. It looked it really, really but good. I mean, but um, I'm reading this book actually about flow. And I, I was in the flow. I was in the zone yeah. for five hours and it felt amazing mm-hmm. just to clean it up finally. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my bachelor years. Well, I think that's cool. It's amazing how parents... I don't know if it was just our parents or all a lot of parents when we were growing up that they don't teach their kids anything like teaching you how to clean and keep a good apartment and teaching you how to cook yeah so that you could make yourself a decent meal at night yeah or maybe it was because you were a boy and you didn't because you well, it was done for me though I mean it was it was I think mom and my sisters did it right. for us right you know so you know and I think. Um, I mean, I did know how to clean, and, and I, I did know how to cook several things. Yeah, and so I should—I um, mean, looking back, I but other things got a, I, I didn't got a pan on the head or something. I didn't know about. Yeah, that I had a friend 
similar to Rory, who would t- who taught me some just very common things. You know like, what I did once? I, when what? I stayed with my brother, my sister-in-law in Chicago, mm-hmm. an electric razor, and mm-hmm. I would shave myself in the living room mirror. <laughs> and it left it on the floor? No, no, it's worse. I'd shave in the living room mirror, and uh-huh. then I would lift the lid off and uh-huh. blow all the hairs all over the living room carpet. It was what? clueless. Completely clueless. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> it's not funny at all, but like wow. looking back at myself, I was wow. like, I wish I could go back to myself and say, hey, so the guy I coach for a living now. Yeah. Love to sit down and say, "Listen." And st- or find a find a powerful question to say. Do you yeah. think that's normal? Even looking back at the twenty six year old, going to a psychiatrist to figure out how to clean. Right. Uh, but the guy was amazing though. Like it was like I was thinking, oh, we're gonna go back to my past. He goes, what's what's the problem we're trying to solve here? And yeah. I'll know just twenty minutes on. Go to it was. A, but sometimes it is. This, well, I think what he realized was so much much of it like. The mental, um, uh, the mental satisfaction I got mm-hmm. from that, there is psychology. Now. There was great, amazing mental satisfaction right. in saying Friday night from five to ten we're mm-hmm. cleaning. And, and Brian is an amazing cleaner now. Yeah, I know you think so. Yeah, like when you clean, you clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you do have a different version of clean. Yeah. Than I have. Right. Not that you're dirty. You're not dirty at all, but. Like if you clean the kitchen, there are just things you don't notice right, that yeah. I will notice to yeah. do. Like you'll do all the dishes and everything, but you might not necessarily like wipe all the countertops down or right. It's uh, but you still compared to where you were when we when I met you and I was at your apartment. I mean, you are yeah an amazing cleaner. Speaking of cleaning, um, that driveway out there, uh huh as you know looked bad because there's a big hole in the front of our street there not hole but dip where all the mud exactly the so when Callum and I got that power hose uh-huh and um started cleaning mm-hmm. that was I, I as soon as I started trying it I felt bad that I told him he could do it because I want I, it's like Tom Sawyer like right the kids want to paint the fence yeah they're paying him to paint the fence mm-hmm. and it was like that like doing that power washing and seeing it come mm-hmm. off there's something very satisfying about yeah cleaning, cleaning can be very satis- satisfactory probably something in our DNA about nesting or I don't know yeah are you you're looking at the screen is it the time no actually I was up? looking outside because oh. uh, Callum was riding a bike yeah he was going by on the bicycle alright so we covered um, this might we could split this and make it a two part because the first part could be sex the second part could be um, booze food and weed no. Or not. Or not. Or you want to just Unless wrap it's it up. two hours long. Is it two hours long? Well, no, I'm saying you take 45 minutes, just talk about something, and then the next 45. Oh, okay. What I'm saying is you don't have to release this in one shot. It doesn't matter to me. You just release it. Are we done, though? Did you feel done? Um. Are we done? You know, I when I so. first heard that term, I hated that term. Finished. You're supposed to be finished. Food no, is done. The, I know. But on the flight over, Uh huh. This is. I don't mean to get into this. On the flight to the States, I heard the, when I first got here, the wait, the steward, uh, host, uh, what do you call them? Flight attendant. Flight attendant. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, sort of asked the person, are you done? And I remember just, oh my gosh, like, I was like that. So you terrible. had never heard that no. someone say that? What would you say in Ireland? Are you finished? Are you finished? To me, it was like, that's terrible grammar. And they do it all the time now. Well, you know what? You know, I there's think worse we... things in life to worry about, I guess. 
I don't want to no, be a snob. No, I was going to say that I didn't know that it was not the correct yeah. thing to say. And then it dawned on me one day that like food is done. Right. And you finish something. You're not... I think it's making its way more into the vocabulary though. Because like, we, <clears> we have a thing called definition of done for work. Mm-hmm. And you click the word done, right, on the uh-huh. computer. So I think it's just... it's it might Maybe in Ireland now they're saying, are you done? They could be using that term. I don't know. I just yeah, haven't I heard it going. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's one of those words that yeah. changes its definition. Or Yeah. Anyway, I'm hungry now, so I think I'll stop talking. Well, okay. Well, then we'll Did go Did you have eat. anything else you wanted to say? No. Okay. I mean, I have a lot to say, but we can say it another time. Okay. Well, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for if you, thanks for listening if you got yeah, this far. Yeah, thanks for listening if you made it through all that rambling. Yeah.